Hi everybody, it's David here. Uh, this episode was recorded before the details and information about Tyler's uh, current condition were made public. Uh, Tyler's going through some uh, uh, pretty heavy and, and uh, kind of scary uh, medical and health issues right now. Um, he'll be back on the show when he can, but uh, there's going to be a lot of episodes without him in in the short term if you want to know more and you want to know how you can help you can go to caringbridge.org slash visit slash tyler and jennifer smith that's where you can find all of the information about what's going on and more importantly you know in the for the time being you can find the link to the GoFundMe because Tyler and his family are uh, probably going to be facing some ongoing and, and pretty steep medical bills uh, in the weeks and months to come. And anything you can do to help would be very much appreciated, just like we appreciate you listening to Battleship Pretension and bearing with us as we try to keep the show afloat. Again, the website is caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm David Bax. Tyler Smith remains on assignment. Uh, we have a, a, a great guest today, a great uh, episode to get to. Uh, but before I want to I, I do that, I just want to jump right in and tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Uh, Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives and am i gonna go metal with this one i am gonna go metal um because uh i was listening to new music from uh uh one of my favorite ongoing uh death metal concerns and and also a band that uh, uh hails from new orleans one of my favorite cities in america i was listening to a couple of new songs from the upcoming album by Goat Whore. Goat Whore's new album, uh, the name of which I've already forgotten, but the new songs are called Death From Above and Born of Satan's Flesh, and they rocked in the way that I've come to expect from Goat Whore. So it sounded great at my tweakedaudio.com earbuds. Uh, They're available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com, but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. Um, I wonder what the tweakedaudio.com people think of me using the band goat whore to, to promote their product, but, uh, uh, do go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. If debit is your go-to card, discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out discover Cashback debit, a game changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. 
Okay, we're back, and our guest, our longtime repeat guest, one of our absolute favorites uh, here to preview uh, this year's Toronto International Film Festival with us. Welcome back to the show, Mariah E. Gates. Uh, Thanks for having me. I always love coming on this podcast. Oh, that that means so much, because we truly love uh, having you on the podcast. You are remain and will probably always be the record holder for longest episode. <laughs> I don't think we're going to beat five hours. Um, and we're certainly not going to tonight cause I have shit to do. Yes. <laughs> uh, including getting ready to go to, to Toronto. Um, in, uh, in, uh, I'm trying to think from when this episode uh, airs just a few. Oh, What's when that? it airs, I was like, it's seven days, but then yeah, it, when it airs, I don't know. Yeah, I'm leaving on Thursday. So I'm leaving as of this recording. I'm leaving a week from tomorrow, but this is going up on Monday. So like three days, I guess, three days. Uh, from when this goes up, I, I leave. It's the first time that's it's the first time I've been will have been to Toronto since 2019. Um, it's the first time I will have left the country since Toronto 2019. Um, it's also the first time since Sundance 2020 that I will be st- sleeping somewhere other than my house without my wife with me wow that's weird right yeah but i I haven't done i haven't done any travel without my wife since sundance 2020 so over two and a half years that's a long time um, i'm very much going to be a baby about it and missing my wife Uh, i was picturing more like um tom cruise running around in his underwear kind of Okay, risky business style. No, that's what I, yeah. when she goes uh, out of town and leaves me home uh, uh, alone. Then I, yeah, then I, I, I turn into uh, tidy whitey Tom Cruise. Um, no, uh, I, you are one of the few people I know who did make it to Toronto 2021. Yes, and you were telling me before we started recording that it was um, a bit of a ghost town. It was a ghost town. There was no lines for any of the movies the only ones that were kind of packed were like the big premieres you know it's like dear evan hansen had a lot of people um but even the um last night in soho wasn't full and uh titan was pretty full but almost everything else i went to was maybe third to half full so it was really easy even if you had um assigned tickets it really felt like you were still social distancing they checked yeah for vax status everyone had to wear masks all the time wow. it was completely safe i i felt it's like hall h on a thursday i to, felt safer to, uh, yeah. mix and match i felt safer at that festival than i did just like going to a starbucks pretty much around that time yeah. last year so <laughs> um everyone was really really on it and as far as i know they managed to do a really good job of of keeping it a, a covid free festival yeah. so yeah. yeah. Good for them. I mean, yeah, I haven't been, to, I'm trying to think I didn't, uh, didn't go, obviously I was going to go to Sundance, uh, earlier this year, but that in person got, yeah. uh, canceled. So other than like AFI and TCM, which are in town here, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess those are the only festivals I've, I've been to, but I also went to Comic-Con. Um, I've been uh, to a few festivals actually. Um, yeah. cause we went to, we went to South by, um, South by was probably the first sort of real, like there was everyone there. It felt like previous South by's kind of festivals. The really? filmmakers were losing their minds. The the festival goers were losing their minds. Everyone was just like so excited to be back to like business as usual for lack of a better term. 
um again it also really did feel very safe too i i feel like the festivals have done a great job of making everyone feel comfortable yeah um and then uh i went to a brand new festival to me the carlovi very international film festival it is in czech republic um that was my first time leaving the country since 2019 i guess yeah 2019 and um first time back in europe in like almost three years and it felt good yeah. And uh, the Czech Republic at the time had 75 active COVID cases. That was it. That country like had it locked nice. down. They wow. really, they, yeah. they really knew what they were doing in terms of keeping, yeah. keeping everyone safe. So that was a great festival. Um, you reminded me as I was wrong when I said I hadn't left the country since Toronto 2019, because my wife and I went to Paris after that. Oh, before I, that was, everything. That, shut that down. was October, 2019. <laughs> we went to Paris. I had it. I thought it was before, but it was after. Anyway. Um, that sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, yeah, that was a good last time leaving the country. Going to Paris, we spent a day in Champagne, in the Champagne region. Yeah, A bunch of Champagne. That was a lot of fun. Um, can't wait to leave the country again. We keep trying. <laughs> Keeps getting <laughs> uh, canceled or pushed or whatever, because uh, this pandemic is still ongoing. Yes. But... Um, Let's not think about that right now. Let's think about all the great movies. <laughs> Just or think about least, movies. Yeah, some of the great movies we're going to see uh, at 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 TIFF this year. The the right insiders like you, we call it TIFF. We shorten it to TIFF, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Somebody asked me what what to call it, and the, I don't know if they were they were like is it the TIFF, and I was like, no, it's just TIFF. Yeah. <laughs> no the. <laughs> Even yeah. though in the long version there is a the, <laughs> but in the short version yeah. it's just TIFF. I guess that's true. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, that's. I guess that's like a a SoCal uh, impulse to put the in <laughs> yeah. things the way we do with our freeways. Um. Anyway, let's jump in. We're gonna uh, try and do ten movies each, just a a couple minutes on each on each movie. Just things of, of the many many films we'll, that are playing uh, TIFF this year. The some of the things we're looking forward to trying to see, or in some cases might be bummed that our schedules might not let us see. Like I'm not going to be seeing decision to leave um but you know what that one's already got a release date i'll see you when it comes out um what uh why don't you as the guest why don't you kick us off yeah so i since i want to kind of like use this to help maybe guide people who are listening i'm gonna go i actually saw a handful of films that are playing at that festival in the czech republic so there were four that i think are just stunners and are playing it safe and so those are going to be my first four picks uh, because I know they're good. And the first one was actually my favorite film from that festival. And it doesn't, as far as I know, have a U.S. distributor yet, let alone a release date. So this might be your one chance to see it. Um, it's called Plan 75. And it's by Chia Hayakawa. It's probably not going to be Japan's pick for okay. you know the Oscars this year. Because they have uh, a couple of more high profile films. So likely if you see it in a festival, it might be your one chance. Um, it's kind of light sci-fi because uh, it's set in the near future, slightly dystopian in that the um, main plot is that in this future Japan, um, there are too many senior citizens and they have become the scapegoat on why um, the economy is so uh messed up because they're not leaving their jobs. So they've put in this um, program where you can at 75 registered 
for um, government assisted suicide. Um, that's oh, the wow. high concept, but the, the, what you, you follow this one character who's, I'm forgetting her name. You follow this one character as she, as you see why she eventually thinks this is the way for her, for her. Um, you see how society has pushed, pushed her to the point where she can't really live anymore. But what is great about the film is that, and I don't want to spoil it. It is mo more about why living is so good, regardless of what your situations are. It's a deeply humanist film. It's very critical of the government. It's very critical of the way we treat older people in society. And it's very uh, empathetic towards humanity at that age and the, the joys that can come from being, having been alive that long and knowing the worst of things in order to appreciate the best of things. And um, the, the actress at the, at the center is like, could have easily been like you cute old lady, but she, she's just <laughs> like, she is a cute old lady, but she's so much deeper than that. And it's, it's maybe my favorite performance of the year. And um, I keep, keep refreshing to see if like maybe Kino or like film movement or somebody yeah. picks it up. Cause I'm like, someone pick up this film. Um, so I really recommend that one because uh, festivals are probably your best chance to see it. Okay. Say the name again. What is it? It's 75. It's, it's called plan 75 plan 75. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'm, I'm putting mine in no particular order, just kind of jumping around to the things that have, uh, leapt out at me. And I am, um, uh, very interested in seeing though, uh, uh, trepidatious, um, the second feature from Daniel Goldhaber called how to blow up a pipe, how, how to blow up a pipeline. Mm. Uh, this is a fictionalized adaptation of the nonfiction book, I guess, uh, how to blow up a pipeline, which is, uh, about, um, uh, climate activism. Um, uh, but, and you know, that's uh, fascinating and everything, but I, but it's really the name Daniel Goldhaber that is drawing me to this because his last film cam, um, starring Marilyn Brewer was a film that I found deeply unsettling, uh, in, in a way that it's, it's one of those films that I will have a hard time bringing myself to watch again, but, mm -hmm. um, was, uh, uh, very powerfully made. So I'm, uh, expecting some, uh, some, uh, electric, uh, assaultive confrontational stuff from Daniel Goldhaber in how to blow up a pipeline. It's just a really good title too. It really is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. What do you got next? My next one is another one I, I saw at Color Vivari. I think it debuted at Cannes. Um, it's called the Blue Kaftan, and it's from Morocco. And it's sort of—I don't want to say it's like a, about a poly relationship, but it almost is because it's three people who find themselves sort of in a relationship together because the, the husband is, is, um, in the closet due to, you know, the society and, and sort of the way that Morocco sort of dictates men be. And so he's got his wife and he loves his wife, but he, he is, he's gay and he falls for his apprentice. And it's kind of about the three of them navigating the many facets of love, whether it's romantic or friendship or just the love that grows when you live with someone for 25 years. Um, and it's very delicate and it's, he's a caftan maker, hence the name of blue caftan. And, um, it's really, there's a really wonderful metaphor with the caftan both visually and, um, um in words when you, when you watch it, that it really it broke my heart. And 
there was a film at TIFF last year called um, Costa Brava Lebanon. And the, the main actor in that was in this. And if you see the two movies back to back, they're so completely different kinds of men. Like one is a very brusque, like angry kind of dude. And the other one is very gentle and like an artist. And this guy is doing both. And I'm like, how, I'm like, how is he doing both these performances? It was because I didn't re- notice it was him when I watched the Blue Captain. And then I was like, I wonder what I've seen him in. And I clicked on his name, you know, on Letterboxd. And it was like, wait a minute. No, he's the dad in the other movie. So <laughs> it's definitely one of those um, just great acting. And everyone falls, you know, falls into the, the roles so deeply that you don't even know you've seen them in other movies. All right. That's the Blue Caftan. Um, and yeah, just to clarify, the first two you recommended you have already seen. Yes. I haven't yeah. seen any of these movies. Yeah, um, I'm going to do four that I've seen just because I think they're great. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, m- my next one, and I don't know if I'm stealing one from further down your list, uh, but I'm very excited about Joanna Hogg reteaming with Tilda Swinton once again for The Eternal Daughter. I did um, not have that on my list because I thought you might have it on your yeah, list. Yeah, good. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I am excited. I mean, yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, the souvenir and the souvenir part two are both uh, fantastic. Tilda Swinton's great in everything. They've worked together before uh, that. Uh, this is, uh, well, the, the description on the tip website goes out of its way to note that it was shot on 35 millimeter. I'm assuming it's not going to be presented on 35 millimeter or else it would say that. <laughs> um, I'm assuming we're seeing a DCP, but uh, still I'm expecting something um tactile um and and uh uh humanistic like her other films but also it's kind of like a creepy old house movie at the same time yes so, like, i am stoked for this movie yeah I, I, like i don't think it would maybe be i, I don't know if, i haven't seen the movie obviously um sounds like it'd be a stretch to call it a ghost story or a horror movie or whatever but it seems to have that uh uh, it seems to have that aesthetic or, or, or is, is borrowing from that a little bit. Yeah. And she had her movie right before the souvenir of feeding all of a sudden the name of it was all set in a house, like an apartment that Tom Hiddleston's character is trying to sell to people and people are coming oh, in. Yeah. I feel like she's it start with an A maybe? something like that. One of them's archipelago. One of oh, them that's the one I'm is, of yeah. Archipelago. What is I, they all have one name. Or, you know, one word in the titles. I'm forgetting yeah. what this one is called. But um, it'll be interesting if she kind of goes back to that sort of mm-hmm. low, you know, those movies are very, like, low energy. Not, like... Exhibition. That exhibition, that's the one. Yeah. Um, they're very, you know, like, slow cinema in a way that the two souvenir movies are a little more action-packed. Mm-hmm. They're not action movies, obviously, but <laughs> much more high energy. Um, I wonder if she'll yeah. go back to that or... I don't know. I'm excited. Um, all right. What's number three for you? Um, this uh, film called After Sun. It's directed by Charlotte Wells. It's, I, I want to say, the first film from Barry Jenkins' production company that he started, or okay. the second film. It's, but it's under his... Um, he produced it, or his you know company with Adele... Um, put it together and it's uh, a autobiographical or semi-autobiographical story uh, about a, a sort of a tween girl and her dad going 
on a summer holiday in the 90s. And it's mostly told from the perspective of the girl, but like the older version of the girl remembering what it is like to be 12. So you really, it really feels like a memory of being 12 and not like being 12, um, which she kind of plays with a lot in term in when she goes back to being the grown person and then the kid, and then you see the dad and it's sort of, I think it's a movie made for people our age who are at that point where we're thinking about our parents and thinking about the time with our parents that really mattered and thinking about times when we should have been a little bit nicer <laughs> to our parents, <laughs> but what, what were we going through that we weren't nicer? And so it's just a really like heartfelt film and beautifully shot and very much that same like deep well of emotion that Moonlight had has that same like pull to it. I think. Yeah. That one is very much on my, was on my short list, but it doesn't look like schedule wise. I'm going to be able to make it happen, which is, uh, I think it's uh, a, a bummer. A 24. So it should get a release at some point. Okay. Yeah. At least that one has a distributor. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really like going, uh, so it's my pick next, my number, number three, and I'm saying the numbers out loud so I can keep track or else we'll go all night. Um, and I'm trying to decide, do I like, do I trust that the battleship retention audience is, is keyed in enough that they know some of the other, the, the big name art house stuff and try to focus on smaller stuff or I think I'm just going to be honest and say I'm very excited about the new uh, Hirokazu Koreeda movie, which is called, yes. uh, which is called Broker, um, uh, and it's uh, well, I'm 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 intentionally not like reading too far into the description, especially when it comes to there are certain you know there are certain movies where I'm sold based on the director alone. Yeah, so I don't need to read too much of the description. Broker so just is definitely the- one that I'm sold. I yeah, don't care what yeah. it's about. I'm watching it. Um, so it's, it's interesting. The, the TIFF like description on their website describes it as a, uh, an achingly touching crowd pleaser about an unconventional family formed under the strangest of circumstances, which is which could be kind of shoplifters. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, yeah. But yeah, I don't know much else, uh, uh, about it, but, um, the actor won best actor at Cannes though. Right. I think. Oh, see, I, I don't, I think uh, he did. I think he won best actor. Kind of I think he won best actor at Cannes. So that's, and it's the the dad from Parasite, so he's probably gonna kill it. Oh yeah! Oh, it's yeah. Um, I, don't, um, I, don't, I don't remember the actors. Song Song King Ho is that? Yes. It? Um, or am I? I might be I saying think, it in the wrong. I, I yeah, Song King Ho. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I just to get off on a brief tangent because it wouldn't be Battleship Retention if we didn't. I recently saw um, a Korean movie called Emergency Declaration, which. Um, was that the airline movie? Yeah, yeah. Like, I watched parts of that. That looked wild. Uh, yeah, and he and he's one. It's an ensemble, but he's one of the the major characters, and it's it was fun to see him in that, but also fun to see like. Uh, I, I feel like we had this conversation um, with a guest from uh, uh, Brazil, um, Luis Oliveira, um, talking about how like with a lot of countries, like the movies that we see in America from those countries are like made for the festivals and for international distribution. And there's this whole other industry that's like blockbusters made for the domestic audience. And it's, it's a uh, very interesting to see, uh, you know, what I'm used to seeing, you know, uh, 
uh, Bong Joon-ho and Park Chan-wook and, and, and Hong Sung so and stuff like that to see like a mainstream, like big budget Korean, like thriller was super fun. And emergency declaration is actually a really, uh, cool, fun, good movie. Yeah. Um, my, can I plug my boyfriend for a second? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my boyfriend, Robert Daniels writes a, an action column for the New York times every month. He, he I can't tell you when it's going to run. Cause it always runs on a different week. It's like, <laughs> They tell him in advance and he's like, oh right. shit, I got to get this done. Um, so it's always a moving target, but it's, it's almost always um, international films, just like you're describing like action films from India, action films from Brazil, yeah. action films from Japan made just for popcorn consumption, not for awards. And so um, I, I don't always get a chance to sit and watch them all. Like I had to, I was, working on something else when he was watching the the airplane one, but I came in and out a couple of times and I was like, this looks amazing. I wish I could have watched it. Yeah. Um, so if that's yeah. something that you enjoy monthly, you can read okay. this action column and it'll, it'll um, it's usually, I think four out of the five are usually international sort of popcorn action hits. Uh, all right. So we should be on to number four for you. Yes. Um, so this is Vicky crepes. Is it crepes or crepes? Creeps. Oh, I've been saying creeps. Creeps. Like putting it okay. in like the the, the the full sentence name, like Tom Waits. Yeah. Vicky Creeps. Creeps. That, that's how, I, I have no idea if that's. I'm unsure how to say her name, but from from Phantom Thread, everyone knows who she is. Um, she is playing Empress Elizabeth of Austria in uh, this film called Corsage from Marie Kreutzer and. Um, like Empress Sissy is sort of to Austria, what princess Diana is to England in that there's a million movies and everyone loved mm-hmm. her. Um, like Romy Schneider did a whole, whole like three or four of them in the sixties, I think, or fifties. Um, she's like the most beloved Austrian to ever live basically. But Marie Kritzer's film is not a typical biopic. It's more like Marie Antoinette, the, the Sophia Coppola Marie Antoinette mm-hmm. in that it envisions um, her as more of a rebel and her bucking with things. And, and there is like music in it that are, isn't from the, you know, 1877. And there there's moments where you're like, I don't think this actually happened. And it's kind of fun. Cause it, it, it's more about, um, instead of being like a historical biopic, it's more about like a, a tonal look at what a woman, this intelligent, would be like emotionally in a stifling role like she was in. So maybe, you know, historically she's thought of as this way, but on the inside, she was that way. And this is what that movie supposes. So uh, I wouldn't take it as a history lesson. You're not going to really learn, you know, like there's, if you, if you look at the real history and how this movie ends, you're like, wait a minute, this does not rock. But is Vicky Crape's, amazing in it yes is it her maybe her best performance to date and i've seen almost all of her her films at least all of her films post stanford it might be and it's really just a, a wild movie so i recommend it um yeah i really want to see that i also want uh, to our because we just did recently did like our fall movie preview and we talked about hold me tight the new met the i just saw that from Matthew, um, okay oh i saw that i forgot so, that i saw that until you I said i haven't it. seen it yet it's but, also good she doesn't um, miss is the thing 
Well, yeah, that's why I want to um, make sure I point out because we we were talking about her on the Family Movie Preview and we talked about Bergman Island. We had a listener who reached out and said, how come you didn't talk about how good she was in old? So I want to say I liked old <laughs> and she was good in it just She's for that listener, good. just so you know. Um, Hold me tight yeah. is is I've seen, I think, two thirds or three, three fourths of the films Matthew America's directed. And I screened the movie because I was trying to get an interview with him and I could not land it. So this goes out to all the editors who did not let me interview Macho Merrick. But it's his most interesting film to date. And he's always a very interesting filmmaker. Um, And apparently it's the first time he ever directed a woman like in the lead in a film that wasn't either his current or an ex-girlfriend. So I I don't know. She's really good in it. So I wonder if like maybe he should stop only directing women that he dates. And- oh, I thought you were going to go the other way. Maybe they should get together. I don't know. What no, her, I mean, maybe uh, that too. <laughs> I don't know. But um, it's really good. She's She doesn't miss as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next up for me, another one that I, you know, would be willing to plis- press play on uh, based on the director's name on- alone. Uh, and this one, I think if the schedule works out, we haven't like had the chance to reserve our tickets yet as, as press, but um, yeah, that's actually, uh, um, do you like, you've been to more festivals than I have. Yeah. So we're putting a pin in the next movie. Um how do you feel about like with Sundance when it comes to like, when you get a press pass, usually you get, you know, you get access to all press and industry, industry screenings. And then based on the level of pass, you have also the opportunity to screenings. And with Sundance, the like ticket reservation is like weeks ahead of time. Yeah. And with TIFF, it's like three days ahead of time. It's and- like, I was in the airport last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was like. Yeah. And I think at first I let that stress me out, but um, I've come to actually like the TIFF way better because other publications and other podcasts than Battleship Retention are also doing these kind of previews and it helps me like get more, like learn about more and more and more stuff. You know, I might like, you know, I still have the opportunity to like, y- you recommend something like the blue caftan and I'm like, Oh, maybe I can look and see if the blue caftan is, uh, is on my schedule. How do you feel? What do you like? You know, it's stressful because I have like assignments from two different outlets. Right. Right. And it's like, I got to try to get these tickets, but what I've, what I've learned and this goes to most festivals the I, my like beat, if you will, is tends to be the smaller films. It tends to be films directed by women. It tends to be international films directed by women. And it tends to be documentaries directed by women, all of which are like the lowest hanging fruit in terms of what people are like breaking down the, the gates to see. Yeah. So sometimes I'm able to like email a publicist to be like, here's the thing. I don't know if I'm going to get a ticket for this. Do you have a screener? And sometimes they do. And so you can relieve some of that stress by watching it early. I prefer yeah. not to yeah. do that because I'd rather see it in a theater, but I found that that helps relieve the stress. And then with the big movies, last year I was like the only one in Canada. So like I had to get a ticket for like, um, what was it? Dear Evan Hansen. And I was like, I, what? I don't want to be stressed about this movie. I, and I hated it. Spoiler alert. I hated that movie. And I had to write a review like that night, but, um, this year I'm back on my normal beat and I'm going to probably get the tickets I want. And if I don't, I don't, but they do have the P and I's 
also as yeah. a tiff. So I tend to try to balance it. And yeah, that's press and industry screenings for the, those oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. listening. <laughs> now our, our, our listeners are hit, but you know, maybe so it's, new. it's really, and then, you know, worst case scenario I found is nine times out of 10, a publicist will help you out if you weren't able to get a ticket because they want the coverage. So yeah. Yeah. Not, I wouldn't say like, if you don't have an, if you don't have an outlet, you don't have an interview Publicist is not going to help you out. But if, if you have it assigned, they will help you out. They there. I've never had a publicist be like, uh, sorry, <laughs> we don't want your review. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out uh, to the publicists. They're all very stressed. All right. So back now, this is, is this my fourth now? I, I said I was going to uh, keep track. Yes, yeah. I okay. So. Yeah, so, yeah. Cause I just uh, did four. Um, so another director that I will see not knowing anything about the movie, the new film from Christian Munju, it's called RMN. Um, uh, Christian Munju is one of the major names of uh, the Romanian new wave from about 15 years ago that I don't know. I don't know if the new wave is still ongoing or if it's just, there's just Romanian directors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long in the new wave uh, lasted, but um, uh, yeah, his, his new film, like, like so many of his films, like four months, three weeks and two days, which is an abortion movie or graduation, which is about like uh, a political bureaucratic corruption. Um, RMN is a movie that doesn't like sound like a fun time based on the description. It's about a, um, um, let's see, it's, uh, it's a Roma, I guess, a migrant worker in the Transylvania region of, uh, of Romania, who is experiencing a lot of, uh, anti-migrant and anti-immigrant and xenophobic sentiment. Um, so yeah, doesn't sound like a, a blast at, at over two hours, but something about his movies is just so they're so engaging. They're often like surprisingly comic in some ways uh or at least have those moments in them and but not in like a forced way in the way that like life is sometimes funny um and and uh there's it's hard to describe his movies without sounding like you're talking about uh like a magazine article you know that's like uh a, a, an expose of romanian corruption or or whatever um but they're they're so they're so uh human and naturalistic uh there's a a a very sort of like um a minor beauty to them that's all the more impactful for how for how intimate and and minuscule it seems but it's uh his his movies always move me uh so i'm very much looking forward to rmn you know i don't actually think I've seen any of his movies. I feel like he's like a big blind spot for me. Well, yeah, I mean, four months, three weeks and two days is, um, I mean, like I said, it's not necessarily an easy watch. It's a, it's an abortion movie, which when it come, it came out was already, you know, upsetting enough given recent developments in this country, watching four months and three weeks today, yeah. two days today would might feel even, uh, more harrowing. But um, he's he's still just uh, fantastically talented. I'm excited to maybe catch up on his film finally. <laughs> um, so we're on five. Yeah. Now, okay. Yeah. Um, so 
I don't know if you know this about me, but I love surf documentaries. I did not know that about you. Surf documentaries are like, I love them. And um, well, at least it's a, it's a, it's a rich vein that you can never exhaust, there's, right? There's so many every year. There's a new one. I'm like, yes. So there's a surf documentary coming out called Maya and the wave. I don't really know much about it other than it's called Maya and the wave. And that's all I need to know. It's got a female director. I'm assuming Maya's the surfer. I don't actually know. I didn't look it up. I just, I'm excited. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to read about it. The thing that's great about surf documentaries is you go in and you learn about the surfer, right? And maybe you have an inkling if it's a famous one. Um, like I saw one on Laird Hamilton, who's like a famous surfer, but I learned so much about him. And if I'd read the synopsis, it, half the stuff I learned, it was in the synopsis. I don't want that. I want to see them surfing and I want to learn a little bit about why they surf. And so I'm hoping that's what this documentary will offer. Um, but I'm just excited because the surf docs don't always make it to theaters. Okay. And so I'm excited just to see a surf doc in a theater. So is it now it's specifically documentaries? Um, I mean, I've seen a handful of surf movie, you know, nonfiction okay. surf movies, but um no, I really, I really just like watching, I guess this is the surfer I'm looking up right now. She's Brazilian. That's all I want to know. So it's about a Brazilian okay. female surfer that I just, I just love seeing actual surfers go on that wave. And then like, and then it's so beautiful and it's so hard to do. And I don't understand how the body does what it does up on that wave. How do they not freeze? I would freeze. <laughs> I freeze just looking at the water and it's not even a wave yet. It's, they're my favorite athletes, pretty much. I also follow a lot of surf um, accounts. The World Surf League accounts always post the most amazing. Like, I don't. How do they do it? I don't know. It's like <laughs> it's like Twister and the and the Twister Hunters. Like, how do they do that? I don't know. Someone has to. I'm glad they do. Was this? I remember when I was in college and I worked at a video store. There were there was Step Into Liquid and Chasing giants is that what it was called yeah chasing is it che yeah because there's also mavericks is a, is chasing a, mavericks is, a, is not non-fiction yeah, or is, is fiction, fiction i mean um yes like half directed by curtis hansen but then he like so. stepped down because it was like at the end of his life and he was so very sad yeah and also not a good movie uh unfortunately anyway but yeah uh, stephanie liquid and chasing giants came out about the same time i definitely watched both of them on dvd when they when they came out is that when this started was it that no, one two punch that started I, for you or? i have always loved surfing just in general i grew up in california so this happens i did not grow up on the beach so i grew up on a mountain in the middle of nowhere but yeah. i i watched i guess it was in 20 maybe 12 i watched the the endless summer and like everybody the endless summer is what turned me into a surf doc fan and then it turns out okay. my mom and my grandmother went to see it when it first came out and it was one of my grandmother's favorite movies <laughs> so that that, oh, was, wow. that felt nice I i've still never seen endless summer so i should check that out i will say there's maybe a couple parts that haven't aged that well in terms of bruce brown's humor but in terms of, okay. of just the sheer beauty of how it's shot um it, there's like it's the best yeah. still the best and just in terms of I'm, how did how did they shoot that in the 60s i don't know it was amazing because they've gotten um, so much better yeah. with the cameras now but he just he was a wild man bruce brown um 
yeah, I generally, I watch enough older movies that I can usually take that stuff in stride. Um, by the way, it's, uh, it's writing giants, not chasing writing giants. giants That's yes. why I was getting confused with chasing Mavericks. It's writing giants. Okay. Uh, let's move on to another one. Uh, this is another big name art house director. Although if memory serves, Mariah, you are not so much a fan of the films of Mia Hansen Louvet. No. Uh, but she's got she, uh, she's one of two female directors at tiff whose films i will probably not be seeing <laughs> oh i'm trying to think if i can guess the other one <laughs> yes oh uh, we'll come back to it okay can it I might guess? be on your list it might be on your list well i'm trying to think what else, what's on my list that's um by a female director but also it could be stuff that i'm going to get to later so if we haven't gotten to it by the end try and remind me <laughs> and i'm going to guess we'll reveal I'm trying to know because I know you're a Gina Prince by the wood fan, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, is it a documentary? No. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's not the Leviathan lady, um, whose new movie is called De Humani Corporis Fabrica. Maybe more on that later. Oh, wait, is it Lena Dunham? No, I actually, okay. I don't like her films, but I have to watch her films. So that's not the film I was referring okay. to. I'm reviewing her right. film. Um, but right. I'm, I'm a fan of the book that Lena Dunham is adapting. So I have yeah. hope that maybe this will be the film that makes me like her. Uh, we'll see. Um, well, I like Lena Dunham and I like Mia Hansen LeVay. And I also really like uh, Leia Sidhu. Um, so the, uh, as discussed on our film movie preview uh, last week, um, Sorry, uh, listen, peek behind the curtain. I'm recording a bunch of episodes of every podcast that I do in short uh, uh, succession. So this this is the end of my week long run. But I have this is the 11th podcast episode that I have recorded in the past seven days. Um, oh, wow. Because we're trying to like because I'm going to TIFF and then I'm going to uh, Joshua Tree for my wedding anniversary. And also, as you Tyler's like on assignment right now. So we've been cramming all this stuff. So I'm getting confused, but I think the fall movie preview was last week. And we talked about, uh, one fine morning, we talked about Leia Sadu and, and how, um, uh, she's, uh, on a roll lately. And this is another one that I don't want to read too much into it, uh, uh, because I know I want to see it anyway, but it's the Chronicle of a woman swept up in her obligations as a mother, daughter, worker, and lover. That's about as generic a title or a description as you can come up with. Um, but if you, you know, if you look at um, the other Mia Hansen Louvet films uh, that that I've loved, including um, a movie that I think I put on my top ten movies of 2016, um, 2016's Things to Come, uh, that could also kind of be described as a, just a generic, like uh, a woman navigating life type of thing and it uh, like i said it was one of my favorite movies of that year so um will one fine morning make that list or will it be uh, a rare miss for me like um like maya from 2018 who knows but uh mariah doesn't know because she's not going to see it <laughs> no i am <laughs> i am not going to see it all right number six for you six um, this is one of the Canadian films. I always try to see at least one of the Canadian films. So this one is called Bones of Crows. And it's great title. About, yes, it's about a, a Cree woman who survived the, I don't know if you read the story about the C- Canada's residential school system that was yeah. run by the 
Catholic mm-hmm. church and they like displaced a ton of Cree and other first nations kids and killed a bunch of them. And it was like all the, the, you know, parents were like, our kids are missing and Canada just like looked the other way for like 50 years. So this is a kind of a drama set. Um, I think I can't, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be her looking back at her. So it's like through the eyes of uh, she's an adult. And then you go back and you hear her as a kid talking about surviving the residential school or not. Um, it's kind of unclear from the synopsis, but Graham Greene is in it. Graham Greene, one of the great um, indigenous actors, one of the great actors period, but like Graham Greene, it's just, he shows up, you know, you're in for, for a good time, even if it's a sad movie. So, and then the title is just obviously amazing. So Bones of Crows, that's going to be my uh, Canadian movie for the festival. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to make uh, any Canadian movies this year. I should try and I should try and do that because I have done I've tried to do that in in, in past years. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think I have any currently on my tentative uh, list. I, I did one last year and I ended up not liking it. So it's like, <laughs> can you tell us what it was? Uh, it was called Quickening, I think. I don't know. I, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good either. It felt like a first draft of a movie. I think it was called Quickening or The Quickening, something like that. I feel like it needed, like, the script needed another couple of passes. Um, I remember the first 2018 was my first TIFF and I went to see the, uh, new film from, uh, new film at the time. And it, to this day, I think still her latest film from Patricia Rosema, Rosema, who made the great film. I've heard the mermaid singing. I don't know if you've ever yes. seen that, yes. but I saw her movie mouthpiece and I didn't care for it. And, um, uh, have you seen mouthpiece? No, but she made okay. my, maybe my favorite, Jane Austen adaptation, Mansfield right, Park. Mansfield Park, yeah, amazing. Um, but I didn't hear also, great. I didn't hear great things about mouthpiece from anybody. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, she also made a really um, uh, kind of underrated movie called Into the Forest uh, yes. with Elliot Page and Evan, Evan Rachel Wood. Um, that That's I like. Great book too. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a good adaptation of the book. Um, so he, here's the deal, but I won't. I won't go into any details. Mouthpiece has like a conceit that is revealed over time that i won't go into but i gave the movie a negative review and also i think responsibly avoided giving away the spoiler mm-hmm. but because of that i got like multiple comments saying obviously you didn't understand the movie because i didn't talk about the thing that i thought was a spoiler and i'm like it's been four years and i'm still mad about it oh <laughs> i feel that when i try to do a spoiler review re- spoiler free review and yeah. it's like sometimes the the studios will be like don't reveal x and it's like okay i can't talk about this movie if i don't reveal x because x is the problem or x is why it's good you know and yeah. that's always find that frustrating um all right so next up for me my number six and i'm apparently just sticking with all these like art house big names um but the um one of two films i think out this year from uh south korean director hong sing soo who my name dropped earlier uh his new film that's playing tiff is called walk up or walk up because it's about a building i guess uh and um it's based on the um 
screenshot here. It's in, in black and white, like, um, like I guess uh hotel by the river was uh, a film of his that was in, in black and white. And uh, I'm not going too much into the, the, the TIFF description here, but it says mentions endless chatter over many glasses of wine. And then it says after several drinks and much philosophizing. So it looks like we're in, it, we're in for like uh, uh, Hong Sing Su and his regular Hong Sing Su mode of people getting drunk and talking a lot and it being uh, fantastic. And it's also 97 minutes. His, his, uh, I'm fully on board with the sort of Hong cult that seems to have uh, sprung up amongst my uh, cinephile friends, even though I, I, but I haven't gone back and seen a lot of his earlier stuff. I haven't seen anything pre yourself and yours, which is like 2016, I think. Um, I but saw I've been... the first one he did with um, Isabel Hubert. It's like on the beach or no, it's not um... something. She is on a beach at some point in the movie. I can't remember. Yeah, but it's not on, on a beach at night alone no it's um, it's an it's hmm. oh, what is it is it like close <sighs> i'm trying to like remember without looking it i up, forget it was I when i worked it. at the movie theater and i saw everything for free so that was a great time to learn about like art yeah. house uh, oh, it's like camera something mm, what is it called i just remember claire's camera her, is that it no it's a, it's not that one okay cause that's isabel Huber as well maybe it's her maybe it was a second movie with Huber. I don't know. She ends up on a beach at the end. That's pretty much what I remember. But that's how I, that's how I came first came to his films was, was through that film. Um, He's definitely like, uh, reminds me of Joanna Hogg in the kind of slow cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of vibe. Um, but of it's vibe, not, and this is actually true, action. true of yeah. Joanna Hogg too, but his stuff is surprisingly funny. Yes. Um, there, there's i don't know if you saw hotel by the river um but there's a part where the guy the the older guy has gotten separated from his two adult sons and they're like sitting at the cafe and then and, and he's outside and they like see each other through the window and they're like trying to shout through the window you know and then yeah. the son like gestures like use the door and the camera just goes to a wider shot and there's a door like literally right next to where they've been standing for the whole time trying to shout he could have come in at any time it's very funny stuff it's called in another country in another country okay yes the poster for it is like her on her on the beach that's why i keep thinking the title is on the beach but it's not oh uh, speaking of hong sang and posters do you know so he had a movie in 2020 called the woman who ran no i missed that one i, I actually didn't see that either but the the los angeles rams mm -hmm. like put out on their social media an image that said like the Los Angeles Rams. And it was like clearly copied from the women, the woman who ran poster. It's still, <laughs> to the, it's been two years and it's still so puzzling to me. That I, they, the social like... media person must be a fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a file at heart. Um, I love it. Okay. So that's walk out. So what's your number seven? Um, my next one is called El Agua. I think it premiered at the like critics week at Cannes, um, but it's from Spain. And it seems it seems like it's one of those like a bunch of different stories in one village kind of movies. And it's it's a small village. A storm is coming. There's a myth that like every time it floods, a few of the women are going to disappear um, because it's like an old folk myth that they're like water women or whatever. And then it's just a bunch of bored kids in the summer and like illicit love affairs. And so it's got like, you know, a lot of 
a lot, a lot of things happening all for all the different people in the village. And, and that's what it sounds like it is. So I'm hoping it'll be charming and maybe a little dramatic, but, um, and give the I, title I mean, again. It's called El Agua, El Agua. Or, the, or the water. And I like, um, films that are set in like small towns because I came from a small town. So I like to see like our small towns in Spain, similar to like our all small towns around the world, the same kind of is my mission in <laughs> watching movies. Cause it, it sort of seems like small time, yeah, small town dynamics are similar everywhere. Um, before we get to my number seven, I don't know to guess about the other female director oh. whose film <laughs> I'm not going to say the name of the movie is was she an actress first? Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I figured we're on out. the same page now. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so my, my number seven is the new, uh, Jafar Panahi movie called no bears. Um, I'm hoping That's the title great, is it's another great title, like, but I'm hoping it's a misnomer. I hope the bears show up. That would, that would be great. Um, but yeah, I saw his, uh, I guess his last few, oh no, I guess he had one in 2020 that I didn't see, but I, I saw three faces at my first TIFF in 2018. Um, so I hope to catch no bears. Um, it's actually because of three faces that I know how to pronounce his name, Panahi, because people call him Mr. Panahi roughly 500 million times in three faces. Um, because in that one, he plays himself. And again, in No Bears, he plays himself. Um, it has a really fascinating uh, story where he's he's playing himself directing a movie. But the movie is being shot outside of uh, Iran in, um, let's see, in uh, in Turkey. And he can't leave Iran. So he's on the other side of the border, staying in a small town, directing, directing the movie. The movie remotely and so i guess there's that and then he gets involved in the politics of this small village or town or whatever um so again his movies are, are always fascinating and that sounds like a, a great premise so um yeah looking forward to no bears number eight uh number eight is the new documentary from laura poitras all the beauty in the bloodshed it's about nan golden who's one of my like top five favorite photographers but it, it isn't just like a biopic of her life. It specifically goes into her fight against the company that makes Oxycontin because she's seen mm. so much of what it does just based on, you know, the world, the life that she lives in or the world that she lives in and the subject matter that she um, had the body of her photography. If, you, if you're not familiar with it, it really is people kind of on the lower rungs and the, they tend to be the ones that get, you know, the most caught up in uh, drug issues and in term and specifically Oxycontin is just, you know, it's hit every rung of society in this country. And so um, one of her biggest battles in later in life is trying to, you know, basically make this family that, that runs the company pay, you know, for what they've mm -hmm. done <laughs> in terms of the, the, um, opiate ep epidemic so i think it'll be it'll be interesting because laura Potras is such a political filmmaker and then golden's yeah. photography is so ethereal but has a really strong point of view like she used to photograph women right after they 
were like hit by their abusive boyfriends and things like that. And so her photography is ethereal, but it is also very political. And so I feel like it's a really good um, filmmaker meet subject um, because it, on, on, on its surface, the Nan Golden photography really looks, you know, like Tumblr meme aesthetics or something, but it's such, it's so much richer than that. And I, I mm-hmm. so I'm excited to see, you know, what they, what she does with this documentary. Um, yeah, that actually, I, I didn't realize that's what it was about. Um, I like, I'm very interested in the idea of her taking that on, um, because I remember being kind of, uh, underwhelmed by, um, Ondi Timoner, if I'm saying her name right, uh, made a documentary about the opioid crisis a couple of years ago called coming clean that felt very boilerplate kind of mm. like explainer. And you I know? think, I think golden actually, um, became addicted. So she didn't just see the ravages. She felt the ravages of it. And, um, so it'll be, you know, I don't know. It's, it's gonna be fascinating. I think. And, hopefully beautiful i with the title of beauty and the bloodshed i feel like it's it's gonna be beautiful and really hard to watch at the same time so i'm excited um so i'm gonna i've been i've been for my number eight right is that right yeah um i've been going so highbrow i'm gonna go the other way and i'm gonna talk about the new movie from director john hyams it's called sick um John Hyams is a. Oh, I haven't heard action, of this one. Uh, well, John Hyams is an action director who kind of made his name doing these like direct-to-video Universal Soldier uh, sequels that uh, caught people's attention by being like way better than anyone expected from a direct-to-video Universal Soldier sequel. But he's mm-hmm. kind of um, uh, broken through to the more mainstream a little bit, especially with uh, 2020s. Um, uh, what was it called now was it called alone which is about a uh woman who was uh kidnapped by a serial killer and is trying to escape from him uh so that's obviously leaving action and going into more like horror thriller and that seems to be where he's staying for sick where sick is mm-hmm. a pandemic set movie about um uh uh two um uh friends i can't remember if they're two young women or a guy and a gal, but I can't remember, but they're, uh, they go to the, this, uh, country house to, to quarantine during COVID. And then there's like a home invasion type of thing. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it, 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 it sounds, it sounds like it could be, uh, uh, harrowing, but it's also part of midnight madness. Yeah. Um, those movies are always a lot. So that's exciting. Yeah. I, I think I, uh, again, to repeat something I said very recently on the podcast when we um, talked about uh, movie theater memories with uh, um, with Rico from the movie podcast, uh, literally one of my favorite movie going memories of all time was seeing Climax at TIFF Midnight Madness in 2018. Um, I don't know if this is going to get to reach that, uh, reach those heights, but uh, uh, I'm looking forward to the yeah. madness. Robert always goes to at least one midnight madness. And I don't know that I can stay up that late anymore. I feel like I hit, <laughs> I'm, I'm 36 now. I I'm on the other side of the like coin now in terms of staying up <laughs> around 11 as my body just shuts yeah. down. So <laughs> um, <laughs> no matter oh, what time making- zone it is. <laughs> You make me realize this will be the last tiff of my thirties. 
See, there you go. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be, Maybe you have to stay up really late. Yeah, I have to yeah, blow it out <laughs> because I'll be I'll be 40 by the next tip. <laughs> it's you know, I just can't do it. I can't do midnights. I keep trying. Uh, all right. What's uh number nine? Nine. Um, so I actually just added this film to my like to watch today because I was filling out my calendar and I noticed that on the last day I had like a eight hour stretch where I didn't have any films placed. Oh. And I was like, well, what, what can I fit there? And then they, they already have this beautiful poster. And I was like, you know what? They have a poster. I'm going to watch this movie because, you know, a lot of the <laughs> films don't have like they barely have images, let alone posters. These people have a poster. They know what they're doing. So it's called um, When Morning Comes from a filmmaker called Kelly, I want to say Fife Marshall. It's F-Y-F-F-E. Um, and she, it's about a young Jamaican boy whose mother is widowed and decides to move to Canada. That's, that's the whole plot. That's what they, all they've put out. And I'm like, this could, this could go a lot of places. Jamaica, Canada, very different. Is it Saskatchewan? Like what part of Canada is it? The, the, the weather alone is going to be, you know, could be a big factor. Moving with just your mom is a huge, huge thing. I love movies about kids and their and their mom and like the struggle because I, I definitely struggle with my mom. So um, there's a, it feels like it has a lot of potential and it's a debut filmmaker. So it could be if it is great, it could be you know the launching of a new mm-hmm. talent. She had a, a twenty twenty short. I guess that won an award. So uh, I just, I could just found this film today and was like, I'm going to see it. It might be my last film of TIFF because I put it at the end of the, uh, but I, that's what I did last year. I watched Costa Brava Lebanon, I think was our last movie. Mm. And I think it was, it was at least our last evening movie and it was a, a debut filmmaker and it was like, damn, I can't wait to see her next movie. So I'm hoping to repeat that kind of feeling. Um, all right. My ninth then is, uh, a, a, a female director that I continue to go, go to bat for, even though she has not, uh, sort of reached the, the notoriety of her earlier days, but I'm definitely planning on making time for Mary Heron's new film, Dolly Land, uh, in which, um, it's Ben Kingsley, right? Ben Kingsley. Yeah. I ben Kingsley so. plays plays Salvador Dali at the end of his life. It takes place in the early 1970s, told through the point of view of his assistant, I guess. Um, but uh, I've continued, especially, I, I feel like Mary Heron's been on kind of a role lately because- I like Charlie um, Says. I thought it was good. I like Charlie Says a lot, which I, I heard that Charlie Says was like, Tiff wouldn't show it. That's crazy. Like, with like some of the stuff they like, I, like I said, I saw a climax there, but um, Tiff thought that Charlie says, says was too, uh, uh, too many buttons, I guess. I don't I, know. I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Charlie says is, is great. I also, did you watch the alias grace miniseries with Sarah? No, Gadon? She I, did all I, six episodes of that. There's so many miniseries in the last three years that like, Oh, all this one's episodes. like five years old now. Yeah, like all six episodes are from a director I love. And I'm like, ah, I gotta watch it. But it's like six hours. You know, I have a huge list of miniseries that I'm like, I'll get to these at some point. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the single director miniseries, it does yet. feel like, even as so, movie people, it's like, well, now I have to I have to watch that. I have to watch yeah. the fires everywhere, you know? It's overwhelming. Um, 
Yeah, and we just watched Pachinko, which at least that is like uh, split between two. It's Koganada and Justin Chong, but both directors that I like yeah. uh, uh, split the episodes. But yeah, Elias Grace is really good. Surrogate on um, is, is, is really good in that. And so, yeah, um, I'm going to show up yeah, and I'm, show I, out I'm for Mary Heron. I'm going to be seeing that one as well. I, I, I'm excited. Um, she's, she's a unique filmmaker. So even when yeah. she misses, she misses in an interesting way. Yeah. All um, right. So last one, my last one, I'll save this for last. Cause it's, it's the big one. Um, as long as I get a ticket, I hope I get a ticket. Cause I, this is like my one movie for fun. Um, oh. I'm not reviewing it. It's the woman King, Gina Prince Bythewood. Um, obviously it'll be in theaters. So if I miss it, I, I'll, I'll still get to see it in theater, but um, I mean, it's, it's- coming out in theaters while tiff will like still be going on right? uh, i think it's two weeks after tiff oh, i think okay. it's the last i think it's the last weekend of september september yeah oh, okay um but i've seen i've seen all of her films um i've actually met her a few times she's a very nice person i did a documentary like a little 10 minute documentary about her career when i worked at netflix um as part of um the old guard that uh, it was really great to really just, just talk to her as a as a creator and, and her ethos and what she's trying to do with her her oeuvre and i do think the woman king fits in even though it's a period piece and like a way back period piece way past like the secret lives of, of bees um i think it really fits with her ethos of who she wants to be and the kind of story she wants to tell so i i'm just excited she got the money to do it i'm excited for viola um, mm-hmm. I'm excited for the two actresses from the Underground Railroad. Uh, Fuso, I don't know how to say her last name, but Fuso, I want to say Memdu and um, Shelia Team. I don't know if you saw the Underground Railroad, listeners. If you didn't no. watch the Underground, speaking of miniseries with one director, it is it is Barry Jenkins at the height of what Barry Jenkins does. The Underground Railroad is stunning, um, absolutely worth watching. Two amazing performances from those actresses so i'm excited to see them in something a second a second project because they came out of theater i think sheila sheila came out of theater in london and i don't know how barry found thusu but she's so good in the underground reel she like holds that show and it was like a debut performance i think or at least like her breakout and so this cast just is perfect and John Boyega's in it, you know, and he's in his post Star Wars, Disney sucks. You know, I'm doing completely swing the other side kind of acting now. And he was so good in small acts, uh, the Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. um, whatever that was, it's five movies or a mini series. It really depends on who you talk to. Um, <laughs> or, or one single movie. Or one the, single movie. It's like, well, didn't, didn't the LA film critics society call it. The LA film they, they, they said the it best. was one movie. Yeah. Yeah, they named Which, it the best movie of the year. One, sure. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's good. It was yeah. good. Whatever they what we want to call it. So I'm very excited for this movie. Um, I think it's going to be amazing in the theater. She already uh, is a filmmaker who uses sound really well. If you've ever seen Love and Basketball, a 35 millimeter print of Love and Basketball, the sound design mm. in the basketball games is so good. It actually popped my ears one time when I was having ear problems. I went to the seat at the Los Feliz three. I've had, I had ear problems last summer for like three weeks. It just felt like I was underwater. I go see love of basketball. My ears, they were open. That sound design was so good. So I'm assuming the sound is going to be amazing. The cinematography is going to be amazing. I'm just stoked for this movie. 
Um, That's why I didn't want to review it because I, uh, one of my ethos, I got this ethos for Robert is like, you shouldn't review a movie that you aren't prepared to give a bad review to. I don't know that I could, I don't know that I could, I think my bias is too strong for her as a filmmaker. I don't know one way or the other. (laughs) It's either going to be too praising or it'll be praising and doesn't deserve it. I don't know. Either way, I felt like I shouldn't be reviewing this movie. So I'm just going to see it for fun. That's in a, in a very different way. That's why I don't review any of the John Wick franchise. Cause I'm just so in the tank for John Wick. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you know, you can't, if you know, you can't be unbiased, you sh- should pass it to yeah. someone who can be. Yeah. Cause the, the, the job of a critic is to, is to praise when it's necessary, not when you just love it, unless you can argue really well, why it, right. you love it. Right. But there's some filmmakers that I know I will always hate, or I know I will always love. And I try not to review those films because I, I know that by, I know I have that bias and I don't, I don't want to, you know, if I can get so, away, get away from doing it, I don't want to do that. So. so I'm assuming that means that you liked the old guard, which I was I did kind like, of I, I did like on. the old guard, but I did have to watch it. I worked on that film. So I did have to watch it like six times. So it may have been like it grew on me after six times. I'm not really sure, but yeah. I, I loved, um, what is the actor's name? That's Martin Eden from Martin Eden. Oh yeah. Um, what is that? The Italian name? actor. Yeah. yeah. He was just so good in it. And yeah. I, I, I'm kind of a simp for Charlize. Like I've been a fan since, yeah. um, um, Mighty Joe Young when I was like 10. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Luca Marinelli is his name. Yes. Um, he's, he's just, he's so good. And I think I, I think I had the nerd thing with the old guard of being like too attached to, to the comic the source material. Yeah. Mm, that'll do it. Yeah. yeah Cause I, it definitely moved a bit from yeah. the source material. I also, I think she's just a really good director of actors. She gets really interesting performances from her her actors that are are often different from what you've seen them do in other things so that's part of why i really love the old guard is that ensemble was just so strong um all right well unlike you i didn't like save a big one for last i should have thought to do that i've only been (laughs) podcasting for 15 years you think i would have thought to do that uh but i am actually very interested in 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 this movie uh directed by kleiner Palmison, the movie is called Godland or Godland. Oh yes. We uh, we missed that one at Colorby Very. Everyone told us we failed. Really? Yes. Everyone said it was stunning. It's from Iceland, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I um like uh early so early pandemic when like all the press screenings were canceled and I was just looking for stuff to review for the website, I was just like taking almost any screener that was offered me whether I knew anything about it or not. And that's how I saw his previous film, A White White Day, which mm. was a complete out of the blue stunner. It's so great. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen anything from this director. It, it's uh, well, I think Godland's only his third. A White White Day was only his second. Okay. Um, and A White White Day is uh, uh, to describe it, it sounds like a uh, just a sad sort of domestic psychological drama about a guy, you know, trying to uh, be there for his granddaughter while mourning his wife who who has recently died. But uh, it, it has this uh, beautiful, almost alien like way of looking at, at, at the world. Um, and, and this stark, almost like almost suggesting science fiction type of like way of framing things. That's that, that was, it didn't feel like 
anything else. It felt wholly like a distinct point of view. And so I'm really looking forward to Godland because I like the idea of him bringing that um, distant alien point of view to a period piece. Um, Godland is uh, about a Danish priest um, in in uh, uh, I guess establishing a mission of sorts in the, in a small Icelandic community in the in the late 1800s. Um, and, uh, yeah, it sounds like it could be, uh, a really, really stunning movie. Yeah. The, just the press photos from it alone. I'm like, dang. And Iceland, obviously the most beautiful place left on earth pretty much. So, yeah. um, I, I one of these days I'll make it to Iceland. I've been wanting to yeah, go that's... there since I was like 19 and I have yet to make it. That's on my short list too. And I'm surprised I haven't made it because it's like, Flights to Iceland are not expensive, but I've heard that once you get there, it's expensive. Yeah. The cost of living is very expensive in Iceland, but, um, I tried to learn Icelandic once really? because the university of Reykjavik like offers a free program. They just are really proud of like Icelandic and they want more people yeah. to, to speak it. And uh, I, I did the program for like a couple weeks and I was like, I don't, this is hard. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's really, maybe if you speak, similar languages like a scan yeah. another scandinavian language you might have it but the other languages i i'm passable on are you know romantic based languages like french and italian and spanish it was too far removed yeah i just couldn't figure it out um well, you can show your support for Iceland by going to see the new idris elba vehicle beast directed by icelandic director baltazar kormakur is he icelandic yeah 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 somehow i never knew that uh yeah um he, he did the, he did two guns two guns he did everest mm. he did contraband he did a drift which i didn't see um but that's like shailene woodley on a raft or something uh, <laughs> that sounds right that sounds yeah right. um but yeah I, I, I tend to like his movies and i liked beast so anyway that's uh, how we got from tiff preview to i liked beast at the end <laughs> not to be confused with the johnny flynn beast Who's the actress? That you mean at? the uh, uh, Jesse Buckley? Jesse beast. Buckley, yes, Jesse yeah. Buckley, Johnny Flynn Beast, also a great yeah. movie named Beast. Yeah, that is a, a great movie. And I was just noting, like, uh, this is dumb, like insider, like running a tiny little movie blog thing. But I was like looking at our numbers, and I was like, why did my review of Beast from five years ago suddenly get a bunch <laughs> of hits? And I was like, oh, it's because there's a new movie called Beast out. If you were just searching it's, for it, it's like. Um, a new movie called the invitation just came out. Yeah. Yeah. And it was not the Karen Kasama, the invitation. This movie was originally called the bride and they changed it. And I'm like, why would you change the name to another horror movie name? Yeah. That's not going to help you with the Google. Whereas the bride, that's a great name. Yeah. There is and a actually, movie called I, the bride um, oh, is there? from the eighties with the, uh, um, Sting and Jennifer Beals. It's actually not a bad movie. It's um, that sounds great. I like um, I like Sting. Sting as an actor is always interesting. So um, it's it's a reimagining of Frankenstein, where Sting plays Doctor Frankenstein and Clancy Brown plays the the monster. Um, it's actually a really cool uh, movie, The Bride. That's probably why they didn't want to call this other movie that because they didn't want people to think it was another yeah. Frankenstein movie. <laughs> Right, right. Instead of getting it confused with the movie from like three years ago. Yeah, it's movie uh, titles are wild. Yeah. Um, all right. So 
we've I gone think- far afield as usual, but I think, I mean, there's, this was just skimming the surface. There are so many movies playing too. Yeah, I actually have a list. I think my video froze, so sorry about that. But I actually have a oh, list of about 65 movies from TIFF. That, yeah. Uh, not counting the ones that I've already seen, just ones that I'm like hoping to see. I made the list knowing I'm not going to see that many because then maybe they'll pop up elsewhere and I'll mm. still catch them like maybe they'll be at the chicago international film festival or you know i don't know yeah all right for me afi that's that's always yeah. a hope because yeah i'm probably not going to get to see after sun so i'm hoping after sun maybe plays afi <clears throat> all right well um you can find uh me at battleship that's hopefully where you can find reviews of uh, a, a bunch of these these movies um while, while i'm at tiff and in, in the immediate uh aftermath of that uh, you can email me at david at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. Also, make sure to check out my other podcast. It's called The One Where I Met Your Mother. My wife and I watch an episode of Friends and an episode of How I Met Your Mother uh, every week and uh, compare and contrast and and uh, talk about what was going on in the world uh, when these episodes aired. And uh, it's a, and we basically have, have fun. I, we're recording kind of far in advance, so I can't remember exactly what our most recent episode was at at this point but um ross and rachel are in a fight ted and barney are in a fight these are the these are the season three storylines that we're covering right now uh check that out at the one where i met your mother uh, at battleshippretension.com uh mariah where can people find you on the internet um i am old films flicker pretty much everywhere on twitter on tumblr still i'm still on tumblr on uh, Instagram and also on Substack, um, sort of my most like frequent writing is my uh, Friday directed by women viewing guide that I put out every Friday. I write about six to seven, not a very long, just like sort of paragraphs, six to seven films that are either usually like one new film that's coming out and then some streaming picks. And I try to pick from a variety of um, those streaming services. So, you know, like one criterion, one Amazon, one to be to be the, the gem of the streaming uh, <laughs> world right now. Um, but also sometimes things as rare as like Ovid, if, if Ovid has a film that I think is really interesting, I'll be like, check out Ovid. It's, you know, hmm. I should get, COVID, I've been saying Ovid. Is it Ovid? I don't know. Oh, it okay. might be Ovid. I say Ovid because of the poet, but is that supposed to be Ovid also? I don't know. I, had, I, I don't, don't know poetry. Know. Like, yeah. um, O-V-I-D um, yeah. <laughs> for those. So uh, it's a way to sort of, um, there's like literally thousands of films directed by women available to stream at any given moment. So I just try to filter it. And sometimes there's themes and sometimes it's just these are five, six movies that I think are fun. And I wanted to talk about them this week. So that's sort of my, my most regular. And then um, follow me on the internet. You'll find my reviews and interviews and uh, what have you. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us again. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was, this was great. I, I always like sort of talking about finding an outlet where people actually care about films <laughs> from small towns in Spain. You know, that's yeah, <laughs> it's good. It feels good. Um. Well, yeah, uh, thank you for being here. Thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye.
This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.